Yo, thanks for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, we're going to talk about Outcast. Now, Outcast is widely recognized as one of the best and most influential hip hop groups of all time. Their second and third albums, AT Aliens and Aquemini, were certified dope. While you can't deny the greatness of either album, some fans often debate which album is better. On this week's podcast, the homie Matt B stops by and we're going to debate based on our criteria which one is better. So sit back, relax, we'll drop the theme music and we'll get the podcast jumping. Let's get it. Welcome back. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, we got a special conversation. Uh, we're talking about uh, Outkast's second and third albums, AT Aliens versus Equimini, and we're going to try to determine which one is better. And of course, I'm not doing this podcast alone. I got the homie Matt B up in the building. Matt, what's up, man? Oh, man, you're about to lose this one today, Kyle. <laughs> you are about to lose this one today. That's what everybody says. <laughs> What's good, man? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, man. Just ready to talk about two of my all-time favorite hip-hop albums. Great, great. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, so let's start right there, man. What are your first memories of uh, hearing Outkast, the group? And, uh, and and what did you think You know, when you, the first time that you heard them? Oh, shit. All right, we got to take it back to when I was eight back. years old. Wait, no, I take that back. It was nine years old. I was in the fourth grade, and it was... See, I'm about to show how young I am right here now, okay. Kyle. So, like, it was 2003. The Way You Move and Hey Ya had come out as singles, right? Wow. And I just remember hearing, like, the complete different contrasts, and just, like, man, I got that album, the clean version for Christmas, because, you know... My parents were tripping back then, but it's cool. And, yeah, like, from there it was on. Like, Roses was my shit. Um, it, prototype. Uh, Tomb of the Boom, I think, is still underrated to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, Killer Mike's features on Speaker Box were nasty. And then I remember my my moment when i fell in love with them because i loved that album but i hadn't heard enough from them to be like oh my god you know mm-hmm. and then i heard stankonia that was see once again i'm showing my age us youngins like that's how we got into right. the outcast okay so you had to go back oh yeah okay yeah. gotcha gotcha um i heard stankonia and i was blown away like i mean you you cannot shit on bombs over baghdad you just can't do it like there's no logical explanation as to why somebody would be like oh that's too poppy uh, like nah fam that song is amazing and like then from there this is when i this is when my love for hip-hop really started to blow the fuck up 
I was in the ninth grade. I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. It was December of 2008. Remember it like it was yesterday. Okay. I got their first three albums for Christmas, and I had already listened to them on YouTube and whatnot because that's when YouTube was starting to get really big. And, like, I remember watching the video for Players Ball, and I'm just like, man, people call Andre a weirdo. They need to go back to that first album. (laughs) Because he, like, people think Andre's soft. People think he's this and that. And I'm just like, nah, listen to that first album. There was a song on there called Claim and True where he talked about packing a shank in his sock for kindergarten. And I'm just like, man, look. (laughs) (laughs) Look, like, and then I heard AT Aliens, and that, intro came on bro we're gonna get to that let me not you know let me let me because i heard those first three albums all at the same time that year gotcha gotcha and i got them all for christmas and from then it was a wrap i thought i don't think i listened to anything else for like three weeks after that day damn damn that's what's up that's what's up um just to let you guys know that the listeners uh matt and i we talk we talk hip-hop a lot now we're we're, there is a difference in age here. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's a difference in age here, but Matt is a true blue hip hop fan, so uh, I had to get him on the podcast because we talk we talk hip hop all the time. Um, my first memories of hearing Outkast, God, it had to be. I want to say I was in college, uh, and that just shows you how <laughs> how old I am compared to Matt. Um, I was in college <laughs> at uh, South Carolina State University, and I heard Players Ball. Man, mm, okay, it, it it blew my mind because it was something. First and foremost, that music didn't sound you know familiar at all to to me or any other hip hop head at that particular time, but the thing about them was that they were coming from the South Atlanta in particular. And up until that point in hip hop, or at least to my knowledge, most of the Southern rappers that I would hear, you know, it was all bass or booty shake. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, you know, two live crew, that type of thing. It wasn't with the exception of ghetto boys. I take that back. Ghetto boys were more, they were more lyrical, but Ghetto Boys also UGK. was yeah yeah UGK came out well actually UGK came out after Outkast uh, so Cast came I out thought, no no Outkast came, came out in ninety three ninety four so oh, okay so I think I heard Players Ball like in ninety three um, UGK hadn't been out obviously the Ghetto Boys had been out but the Ghetto Boys was more raw and more violent um, but I never heard this kind of lyricism at any particular given time so. I was blown away, man, and and um, like you said, it, I remember hearing it. The first time I heard Players Ball was at a party. I can't remember. It was some house party in in college. Uh, I, I I'm not gonna tell y'all what happened at the house party, but just understand <laughs> that I was having a good time at the house party and we were jamming. And this song comes on, and so you know I was like blown away, and um, and so yeah, that was my first time hearing them, and then. Subsequently, the first album drops, uh, Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music, and like you mentioned, Matt, the uh, the video for Players Ball. No, it, it, it Andre three thousand on the first album, Southern Playalistic, and Andre three thousand, you know, on Stankonia. They're two they're two different Andres, but no, 
he wasn't soft by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Shit, he, he's still not soft. No, he's not soft. I, I mean, he's he's nah. he's different, but he's he's a guy obviously that is high, held in very high regard as far as hip hop is concerned. And 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 I want to and I want to say this to the listeners out there, like. There's a reason, people, why nobody has ever brought up Andre 3000's name in a diss track before. Just keep that shit in mind. Oh, of course. Of course not. You, 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 pe- people aren't crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, Nelly went at KRS-One, so... Well, I mean, hey. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, I mean, uh, you know. But, the, um, but yeah, you're, you're right. But it, it's uh, well-respected. And um, and and you know I was really impressed, obviously, with what they had to say and their look and their whole vibe. So um, those are my first memories of Outkast. Uh, and then, like I said, seeing the first video for Southern Playlist. I'm mean, excuse me, the first video I saw was Players Ball, and um, and uh, you know I thought that this was something totally different than what I'd seen before. But I really couldn't quite put my finger on it. But I knew that they were different. Um, right. Which leads me to my next question: What makes, what do you think makes Outkast special as a group, and what makes uh, Big Boy and Andre unique as MCs? Before I get to that, I wanted to make one quick comment about the Southern Playalistic video that always made me die of laughing. Like, there's a Southern play that that Southern Playalistic Cadillac music video. I don't know if you remember this, but there was like the dude that walks up to the house at the beginning of the video and he's like yo man where that cut up at i i that is hilarious hey cut up is a, that's an atlanta term man <laughs> oh i know i know i know what it means i'm not silly you know what i mean like i yeah i just thought the way that they did that i was just like oh okay this video is about to be slick and then you just see them all in the house party and whatnot i love that shit bro I love that shit. But anyways, yeah. what's the question? I'm sorry. I got No, no, track. no. That's okay. Uh, what do you think makes them uh, special as a group? And then more in particular, what do you think makes Big Boy and Andre unique as MCs? What makes them special as a group is they did what no other Southern, you know, group and or solo act was doing at the time. You know, they single-handedly knew how to take their experiences in the hoods of Atlanta and turn it into something positive. Mm -hmm. Like, even though Andre at the time had dropped out of high school and was in a Cadillac selling, selling weight, as we all know, he still, they still had the balls to grab Goody Mob and make get up, get out, you know? And if like, like Kyle already said, he's, (laughs) there's a difference in age, but like, if you got into them back then, you would know, like they, they they were ju- there was just something about them that where you knew like these guys were going to be special, mm-hmm. you know. And like, I want to add this in too, just for the listeners, because you know, Dungeon Family as a whole, like they're aside from maybe Witch Doctor, I've never been a big fan. Peace to Witch Doctor, though. I'm sure he's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because we're going to get into that anyway. Without Goody Mob, Outcast would not be where they are today, you know. And the fact that they had them on those earlier projects, I feel like it influenced them to be a little bit more introspective, if you will, and a little bit more influential on the younger community. Mm. Because if you think at that time when Southern Playalistic came out, there was conscious stuff on it. Mm-hmm. But when Soul Food came out, it was just like, whoa. Mm. You know, like these guys are taking it. They got Goody Mob got banned from MTV for being 
quote unquote racist <coughs> bullshit. But right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, MTV was known for that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, it reminds me of BET oh. banning little brother for being too Man, intelligent. Don't but, start me on that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's more that's more my era of remembrance. Shout out but, to little brother. Yeah, but I mean like they they, they Dungeon family as a whole, like they just they were so their music was so colorful and eclectic and like so funky and soulful, but at the same time gritty. It, it was just amazing. Like you could not you couldn't replicate it unless you went directly to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what I feel like makes them special as a group, not just Outcast, but I had to add Dungeon Family as oh, a whole yeah. into that. Um, Big Boy and Andre, you said, what makes them special? Mm-hmm. Um, what makes Big Boy special to me is like when Andre started, you know, venturing off and doing different things, he was kind of the glue, at least around the Stankonia and Speaker Box and the Love Below days. He was kind of the glue that held Dungeon Family together. Mm. You know, like he, you know, like every time Andre would be nervous on stage, you'd have Big Boy right behind him to back him up and speak when they won awards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Andre's side, like that's the dude that made me. I mean, Big Boy did too. Big Boy, it, listen, people. If y'all are gonna sit here and tell me that Andre is just miles and miles ahead of Big Boy, like y'all need to sit down. Like y'all need to go outside, because <laughs> <laughs> Big Boy can wrap his ass off. Indeed. And there's a lot of people. And I'm not going to argue with them on this. I'm not sure if I agree completely, but there's a lot of people that think on that first album that they put out that Big Boy was actually rapping a little bit better than Andre. You know, it wasn't until ATLians where people were like, oh, my God, Andre. Woo. You know, like. Mm. I feel like that's when the true separation started in, in terms of people picking who they like more started to take place. And then with Equimini, it was just clear as day, mm-hmm. you know. But, yeah, man, in terms of what makes Andre special, because I kind of just went off on a tangent. (laughs) No, no, you're good, you're good. What makes Andre special to me, man, is he, to this day, that is the only dude I know in hip-hop that can wear a dress and not get shot on for it, and that (laughs) says something to me. That fucking says something to me. He can wear a white wig and fucking put furry-ass pants on with... Uh, with knee pads and people are like man that dude is great you know like he he made it cool to be different in hip hop mm-hmm. and without Andre you wouldn't have Drake you wouldn't have 808s and Heartbreak by Kanye the Love Below single handedly started that movement Andre and CeeLo are what made it cool for people to sing in hip hop mm-hmm. you know at least in my opinion mm-hmm. you know the listeners can call me out and tell me if I'm wrong and they and you know I'm sure they will because you know savages out here but (laughs) but i mean yeah man like i just i think that they're both they they should both be in the rock and roll hall of fame as far as i'm concerned wow that's what's up that's what's up man i i I feel you on that um that you you make some great points i think um one of the things that makes them special as a group outcast Mm -hmm. um and, and you touched on it uh they've always been different right. and they've dared to be different and they haven't wavered in being different even with even though 
like if you look at the player's ball video, for instance, that's probably their most quote unquote hip hop looking video. Um, Either that or Southern Playlistic. Yeah, that and Southern Playlistic. Those are probably their two most hip-hop-looking videos. Get Up um, and Get Out was wasn't too weird either. No, it, it wasn't weird, but, but it was, but it was, it, it was, it was Atlanta, you know. And I yeah. think one of the things that always stood out and will always stand out is, you know, them being at the Source Awards, uh, getting booed, oh, yeah. and, and Andre saying the South got something to say. Uh, you know, they made it cool, and they weren't afraid to to express themselves and represent where they were from. And they were screaming Atlanta long before anybody else did. And I think, oh yeah, if you grew up in the South and you understood and liked Southern hip hop in particular, uh people of my era really rallied behind this group because they represented for us. You didn't have to necessarily be from Atlanta, but here it was, you had two guys from Atlanta, from the South. They looked like you, they kind of talked like you, or maybe they talked funny to you, but they were unapologetically Southern. And And unapologetically them. Oh, no, no question. And and dope. And they were going to tell you and remind you that they were dope. And while they were different in a sense because at that particular time it was not uncommon for southern artists to try to get on to to try to get on to try try to sound like they were from up up north um yeah and that is one way to (laughs) definitely alienate the people who back you up you know if if you're from the south represent the south but nobody carried the flag i think the way that outcast did at the time when it really wasn't cool because you gotta you gotta look at the landscape here this album drops in when I say this album I mean Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music drops in 94 at the time Wu-Tang was out uh, I wanna say Tribe Tribe was out Biggie was out Nas was out um, um, and, you had The Chronic yeah exactly so all of these albums wow so these are different regions like you said you got the West Coast you got the east which you know hip-hop started in new york city so you know it's it's no it wasn't about necessarily a turf war if in particular but there was nobody coming out of the south that was southern and claimed to be southern and was going to stay southern no matter what and so that was one of the things that you know stood out to me was that they were definitely going to rep the south uh also like i said they were definitely going to be unique and they wanted to express that and they weren't going to change for anything um for sure i like that i like that a lot and i think most of their fans you know gravitated towards that uh the thing that makes big boy special i think as an mc is that big boy he's got so many different styles and different flows he can go fast he can go slow he can do choppy. He can right. do smooth. He, he can do whatever, whatever you want. However you want Big Boy to spit, he can do it. Um, and I don't think that he gets the credit that he deserves as far as his lyricism because he's a. I think he's a dope ass lyricist. Um, he's in my top ten. Sue me. I don't give a fuck. He's in my top ten. He ain't in my top ten, but <laughs> but he's dope. And that's no knock on him. I, I think he's dope as hell. Uh, Andre three thousand. 
again, um, Lyrical Wizard. He's somebody who I think when he writes and he pens his lyrics, I don't think Andre is writing for that particular day. He's he's writing ahead. He's writing to where you can put on an Outcast album. Any for those of you listening, when you finish this podcast, listen to any Outcast album. And if you pick any verse from Andre 3000, there's going to be a line or two in each verse that you listen to that you may not have heard. I mean, you may have heard all your life or for the last 10, 15 years. And then there's something different that you take from that particular lyric. That's what he does. He has the ability to do that. Yeah. Very few MCs can touch you to say, oh, man, OK, he meant that. I thought he meant this. I've been listening to this song all these years and this is what he meant. Like you like you mentioned, you know, putting the, putting the shank up in his uh, socks when he started kindergarten. That was a very <laughs> <laughs> it was a very slick line, but it did not hit me when I heard it. It hit me, you know, months later after hearing it. But um, I think that's one of the things that makes, you know, uh, uh, Dre, Dre 3000, one of the you know best MCs. I mean, he a lot of people have him ranked very high lyrically and rightfully so. I mean, he, he's dope. I wish I, I, I wish we could get another Outkast album, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. But that's beside the point. Um, so I wanted to add. I wanted ahead, to add something to that, too. Like. Mm-hmm. The only album that I would have to disagree with you on in terms of hearing stuff that I can go back to and being like, wow, is probably Idlewild. We can't exclude that one. Um, It's been years since I've heard Idlewild. I probably won't go back to it. The little bit that I remember from Idlewild uh, doesn't have me going back. I think that was something that was built around the movie that they starred in, which I thought they did a good job in. And to me... I kind of look at Idlewild like a throwaway album. Like it was almost like we've got one more album left on LaFace. Let's get this one yeah. done. We can build this around the soundtrack and boom. And here you go. I don't, it think, wasn't terrible. It I, wasn't terrible. Yeah. I don't remember it being bad, but it, it, it you know, it wasn't a Quemini. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, Shit. I wouldn't even say it's speaker box. Love no, below. No, no. So, you know, it, you could yeah. take, you could take any one of their albums from Southern Playalistic to Speaker Box and The Love Below, and depending on the crowd, you'll hear somebody say that any one of those five could be their favorite. Exactly. And, and I know. don't think that you get that from most artists. You definitely don't get that from most hip-hop groups. Um, yeah. Like with Public Enemy, you tend to know what their best albums right, are. Right, right. And you can with, debate um, one or two, but it's not like three, four, five albums. Right, like you're not going to be like, oh, mid- like Love Movement is better than Midnight Marauders. If you do, I mean, God bless, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> like yeah, that. If you said that, I probably think you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, like so, somebody uh, needs to be drug tested type right, stuff. Right. <laughs> so let's let's talk some of these albums. Let's talk AT Aliens, uh, the album. What are right. some of your favorite tracks and why? Woo! Here we go. This is where it gets good. Alright, so I'm gonna start with the intro, bro. Okay. The You May Die the You May Die intro. That is one of and this is gonna sound crazy, but that is one of the prettiest intros to a hip hop record that I think mm. I've ever heard. Like the way it comes in, it's just so dark and spacey and then you got man, shout out to Joy. She came in she, there and sm- so Yeah, she made that shit sm- she I wish that that song was longer. I mean, it was perfect, but I like part of me just wishes like it would have been two or three minutes instead of like a minute. You know what I mean? But 
I mean, it, it just sets it off like you know you're about to get something way different than you got on that first record, you know. And then like after that, I just had to talk about that intro because whenever I'm on like discussion boards and shit, I never see anybody talk about it. Um, I would say two dope boys, obviously. AT aliens, obviously. Wheels of steel, obviously. Jet, damn, I'm going down the entire list. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I would say from one to five, and then well, no, one to six because elevators. You know how how the fuck can you leave out elevators? Um, Babylon probably that first verse from Andre is probably arguably my favorite he's ever written. Okay. Just just talking about like how you know he came into the world high off cocaine while he was in his mother's womb like mm-hmm. that. His verses, as you can tell on that album, were starting to get coded, whereas on the first one, right. while they were dope, they were dope as hell, they weren't as, like, coded. They they weren't as, like, oh, I have to decipher every little piece. It was, like, there was moments of that, but when you get to AT Aliens, it's, like, it, you could tell, like, this dude is just on a different level, mm-hmm. you know? And then, Kyle, you already know which one I'm going to mention, but first, I'm going to mention Mainstream. No, 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 not mainstream. I'm sorry. Uh, Millennium. Okay. Millennium, man. Listen here, bro. <laughs> that that those two verses, like, and the beat is just so like spacey and soulful. Like, oh man. Now, folks, you're about to hear a moment where Kyle is tripping completely. Et is probably my top one of my top three favorite songs on atl hey man I, I you know what i if i if i ask someone for their favorites i don't get mad at them for telling me what their favorites are <laughs> you good yeah but you but what i brought you know what i'm gonna jump into it just a little bit when i brought up mamacita you were and i said at aliens doesn't have a mamacita he was like nah but it has an et and i'm like what yeah, it does what you mean <laughs> oh man but uh, continue folks when he said that i almost had a i almost had a heart attack like i I was about i was at my i was at a friend friend of mine's and i was sitting by the pool i almost threw my phone in the pool i was like man i can't believe i can't believe this shit man um now if you say the next one is filler i'm just gonna hang up 13th floor growing old oh no 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 okay yeah i was about to say like don't trip too hard kyle but yeah 13th floor growing old is I feel like that song, the way you said how chunky fire you feel like kind of leads into Stankonia, I feel that 13th Floor Growing Old leads into Equimini. Mm-hmm. Um, because the last track on the album is just a remix of Elevator, so really the real last track is 13th Floor Growing Old. Um, that shit right there, when Big Rube comes in, he had a homophobic comment at the beginning of the song with the whole Sodomites thing, but mm-hmm. aside from that, that song is fucking like mind-blowing like if you listen to good kid mad city by kendrick lamar this album and equimini i feel like if you did if you took those two albums out of history good kid mad city and i'll even go as far to say to pimp a butterfly neither of them would exist Hmm. you know i mean if you just hear the sheer influence like everybody says kendrick is a west coast nas like fuck that shit listen to bitch don't kill my vibe and tell me other and tell me that he's not a West Coast version of Dre. Hmm. Like, I mean, just the... 
to me on this album there's no filler you know like it, it's it, in the words of my, in, in the words of freddie gibbs shout out to freddie gibbs it's straight killer no filler mm. yes, like yes. it's it's just and even if you don't like et kyle it's better than mama Sita. i know that much <laughs> i know i know that much well, I, I asked for the favorite tracks, and you named the whole album, <laughs> but it's all good. You damn right. <laughs> I think the I think the only ones I left out were um, "Over the Woods," mm-hmm. uh, which is yeah, what, those are still dope as fuck. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not. I mean, I left off Whalen, and the only reason I left off Whalen is because I feel like it's a little bit too short. Yes, yes. I, I said you that know. I did a podcast on. I've actually done podcasts on both of these albums, and one of the uh, slight criticisms, if you will, is is that Waylon could have and should have been longer because it's so dope. But it's it, it came off almost like an interlude. But it's it's it, if it was longer, perfect. But um, yeah, but I would nah, man, say you, you, I get, w- you get no qualms. I, you get you get no argument from me. Yeah, I mean, I would say my least favorite song is probably Decatur Psalm. I still love it. But, like, if I had to be blasphemous and pick a least favorite, that one would probably be it. Mm-hmm. Um, that and uh, Mainstream. I love both of those songs, but, like, you know, I, I'm not going to just hit you with the whole album and not pick least favorites when I basically just completely gushed over it. No, no, that's totally understandable. I think, uh, let me see, my favorites. Uh, I would definitely say Wheels of Steel. Uh mm. Two Dope Boys in a Cadillac. And mm. if I had to pick another one, I'd say I'm just going to do three. Uh, I'd probably say actually Mainstream. Uh, Big Boy's verse on Mainstream is one of my favorite verses on the entire album. Um, I'm a little I'm a little surprised you didn't mention Jazzy Bell or Babylon, but it's cool. Well, you know what? Jazzy Bell is dope as hell. But... The oh, only man, problem, no, no, hear, hear me out. The only <laughs> problem with Jazzy Bell, the remix is better. That's the only problem, and that's no fault of <laughs> of. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even mad at you. Yeah, I'm not the, mad the at re- you. man. Let me tell you something. They're both dope as fuck. When that bro. remix came out, man, I was in. I never forget. I was in Club Once. Shout out to Club One Twelve where the players dwell. Um, rest in peace. <laughs> Um, man, that club was jumping, and when the remix came on, I mean, like everybody in the club lost their mind. It's, I guess, for me, uh, and and I've said this on both podcasts. I think, outside of the fact that Outkast is a dope ass group, there's a sense of love and enjoyment because, for me, I kind of grew up with them. And then also being living here in Atlanta. I'm not originally from Atlanta, but I've spent God, I've been I've been living in Atlanta for twenty one years now. So this my moving to Atlanta coincided with I wanna say AT Aliens. Yeah, by the time AT Aliens came out that following summer I'd moved to Atlanta. So that's all we heard. So, you know, we were really, really heavily into their music and their, their, their influence. And I mean, just, it, it was just incredible. So, and then being here when Aquim and I came out, that was something, a whole nother, I mean, and I talked about it on the podcast. Uh, so that kind of assists in the level of love and appreciation I have for 
uh, both of these albums. But yeah, if I had to pick three, I'll, I'll go with those three. Um, okay, Wait, so, one question before we get to mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um What about Babylon? I like Babylon. Okay. I like Babylon. 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 <laughs> it's funny, man, because like sometimes you'll hear songs and they remind you of certain scenes and this just shows you how dope Babylon is not necessarily a club song per se right but I remember going into uh, Club Kaya shout out to Club Kaya back in the day um, here in Atlanta and they put that on and I mean bruh everybody knew every single word I mean men women everybody and that's that's crazy too because babylon wasn't even a hit exactly it wasn't a hit but the dj played it and people lost their mind people like when the when the beat dropped people were like oh like you that's all you heard in the back <laughs> that's all you heard in the background and so um but i thought yeah. the hook on that i thought the hook i don't know the name of the singer mm-hmm. i was gonna ask you that but that man i just love how dark it is yeah it is it is and um you mentioned decatur's song uh decatur psalm reminds me of uh church you know it has that church feel and with the with the with the uh choir in the background um and a you know and and a shout to decatur as well um so then we move on to aquemini what are some of your favorite tracks on aquemini and why oh man here we go this is going to be difficult too (laughs) like um while I don't like it as much as you may die, hold on, be strong is very how do you pronounce it ethereal. Mm-hmm. Like it, I actually fun fact for those that don't know, and Kyle, you may or may not know this. That was actually supposed to be a full song with Andre and Big Boy verses wow, on. It. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was supposed to be a full song, but they ended up just making it an intro because I guess for whatever reason they may have thought it wouldn't fit as a full length, mm-hmm. like four, three to four minute song or whatever, but. Um, yeah, that 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 was dope. I'm not sure if it's one of my favorites. I just had to bring it up because I feel like "You May Die" and "Hold On, Be Strong" are like two of the best intros to a hip hop record mm-hmm. ever. Okay, I, yeah. I would put I would put them over the Genesis off Illmatic as far as I'm concerned. But Ooh, now you're pushing it. <laughs> but I feel I, you, <laughs> man. All they were doing on the Genesis was riding know, in a car talking about I, New York. Like that, there, you know, like. The real intro to that is New York State of Mind, but that's course, a different conversation. That's, that's my joint. But yeah. Yeah, I love I love that song. But anyways, <laughs> uh, Return of the G was, I feel like, a defining moment in not just Andre, but Big Boy's career as well. You know, they put a lot of stuff out there in terms of, um, you know, what people were saying with them mm-hmm. about them after the second album. People were like, oh, Andre's wearing a turban. Oh, is he gay? Is he on drugs? Da 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 da. You know, like, and it's just like, nah, man, the dude's just different. Like, ain't nothing gay or, you know, being on drugs. Like, you know, like people were talking about this dude like he was DMX or some shit. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like, and I mean,. He even said on AT Aliens that he got sober after that first album. But anyways, yeah, I feel like the way that he addressed, for lack of a better term, and I know if Mike Seatown hears this, he's going to cringe, but the way that he addressed the haters, and I cringe just using that word, um, <laughs> like, 
it, it was second to none, man. It was second to none. He did it exactly the way that it needed to be done. Um, I love Rosa Parks. That's not one of my favorites off of it. Let's get to skew it on the Barbie. Mm. Let's get to that. I just watched the um, live video that you mentioned in the podcast the other day. I think mm-hmm. I had seen it back when I was younger, but I just couldn't remember like the exact details and like i like how they had the studio version of the song in the video but they still had the crowd in Mm. the back i thought that was i thought that was ill as fuck and for a southern hip-hop group to get somebody from wu-tang like that was unheard of Mm. you know that because you know this was still a time when there was a lot of people saying that southern rappers were slow country but you, you, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like there was a lot of people saying like that they're stupid and basically just completely disrespecting the south and raekwon was like hell no nah, fuck that shit I'm, I'm i'm hopping on this song with them and it's gonna be dope and sure enough like deliver this through your audio ghetto mafio so grow hydro like man <laughs> yes, what yes. <laughs> like <laughs> like man and the classic big boy line um. Oh damn! What was it? You know, okay. I need my other yeah, half of yeah. mic because that Southern play Illicit yeah. Cadillac exactly. music was a classic, right? Like, right. You gotta get out of mic. ATLian should have gotten five too, but you know what? That's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I still think to this day they gave a Clem and I five because they lowballed them on the first two. Um, but anyways, yeah. Now this dish it here, dish it here. <laughs> Aquemini, the title track. Bro, let me tell you something about that second Andre verse. Like, AT Aliens is, I'm, I'm just gonna spoil it now, AT Aliens is my favorite Outcast album. I think it's overall their best work. In terms of technical lyricism, not even artistically, not in terms of the content, but in terms of technical lyricism, you know, my mom, Morrison Benz, float the wing, count to ten, meet the twin, Andre Ben, welcome to the lion's den. Like, yes. what? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, what? Like, yes. bro, who are you? You have to be, like, some type of Martian to rap like that. Like, man. Jesus Christ, bro. <laughs> yeah, that, that. I, I, and I talked about it in detail on the, um, on the podcast, but, uh, that album it did so much and it meant so much um it it was crazy because there was and i mentioned on the podcast that there was some some not a lot but some pushback from some fans because at aliens was so different and quote-unquote weirder than southern playalistic and so for some people they didn't know what to make of big boy and andre at this particular time and of course, you know, Elevators was a smash and, and this album, you know, does very well. It sells well. I think uh, Southern Playlistic went platinum and I think ATLians went double platinum, I think. And then Equipment. Yeah, Equipment yeah, and I went double platinum too. Yeah. So it was like, you know, people really didn't know what to make of it, man. But like you said, the this album was so key for them not only financially but where their foot was in the game and i think you know lyrically it to me it set them apart from everybody else uh it put outcasts basically in their own stratosphere if you will um 
Now, see, I felt that way about AT Aliens, though. Well, you we'll, know, what? We'll I, I think I think there's something to that. I think Aquim and I was well. You know what? I will like you said. We'll get to it. Let me just say my favorites. Uh, man, oh wait, man. I wasn't done with my favorites. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, you're, I mean, you're good. I was just going to mention, like, we can't leave out the two art of storytellings, but I'm going to give you an opinion that a lot of people disagree with me on, Kyle. You ready for this? What's that? The second one to me is better than the first. Mm, I can see why people disagree. I disagree. <laughs> I mean, but that first Andre verse, the way well, he just no, wait a minute. Picture, you said the second like, is better than the first? Yeah. Oh, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, like I, I love the first one. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and leave out Liberation or Chonky Fire mm-hmm. or Spodiote. Mm-hmm. I will leave off Mamacita though, mm-hmm. even though I think that that song isn't as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. It is the weakest song on the album for sure. You know, mm-hmm. so True. Andre's verse on Andre's verse on Mamacita was dope though. I don't care what anybody says. True indeed. True indeed. Uh, my favorites, uh, obviously, um, and like I said, I touched on them on the other podcast, so I won't go into too much detail, but Return of the G, I think one of the things that I love about that song in particular is, is, you know, Andre just really going in because there was a lot of talk about what he was or wasn't. And, you know, I think instead of bypassing it he hit it right on you know from from the beginning and um so that stood out to me obviously skewed on the barbie skewed on the barbie was special to me and one of my favorites because uh you know raekwon was on it and you know they didn't need raekwon to validate them but i think it was validation for a lot of people particularly cats up north that right these cats could rhyme and I remember what was cool was, and for all my uh, my ATLians who are listening, uh, Wu Tang had a Wuware store on Peachtree Street uh-huh. here in the city, and they had a huge party at the store. And I never forget, like it shut <laughs> it shut Peachtree Street down. And if you're familiar with where that store was, like it's hard really to shut that part of Peachtree Street down because it's a main thoroughfare through the city. I mean like so it's main it's it's the main strip going downtown per se. And so uh and I remember we were standing outside. We were trying to get inside to the party but we couldn't get in. And lo and behold, because they had a party after it was after Wu Tang concert. And lo and behold, next thing we know we see a couple of Cadillacs pull up, dudes hop out it's like the whole dungeon family and they go inside and they go in and party and everything like that. So, and this was before the album dropped. So, you know, we knew that, that there was some type of relationship or friendship or kinship, uh, between outcast and Wu-Tang. So to have Raekwon on that, on that song, what I thought was dope as hell. Um, Equimini, uh, mm. I agree totally with you. Uh, Andre's verse, uh, and I talked about it on the other podcast. Uh, Andre's verse was incredible. Um, it is. Are we talking the Are we talking the first verse or second? You know what? To be honest, both verses. I feel you. Uh, I feel you. They are one of my. Man, it's it's one of my favorite verses on this album. Um, 
and then I think uh, let me see my third favorite song probably would have to be uh, I probably go Liberation um, mm. but I, I love this oh. ad- what's that I forgot something what? I forgot two favorites mm-hmm. Synthesizer and Slump oh yeah Oh, and West and West Savannah. God, that I named, <laughs> I named, I named, whole I named album. the whole <laughs> <laughs> Exclu- excluding Mamacita and right. maybe and maybe y'all scared. Although y'all scared was dope, but yeah, it is I, one I of my like least favorites. Because um, it that, is one of my least favorites. That was that was the saying back then. If you scared, say you scared. So that that was like I a still real. I still hear old heads. Out. I still hear old heads saying that now. Oh yeah, yeah. That that was that was a big thing to say back then. So um so yeah man I, I think uh, those are some of my favorites uh, and I think we both agree the track or the tracks that we don't like uh, the track that I don't like on um on this album is Mama Sita uh, I don't know how or why <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how or why it got placed on this album I don't think it's a good fit uh, you know they could have left it off and the only song that I didn't particularly care for it's it's okay I don't hate it. On uh on AT Aliens is, is ET extraterrestrial, um, ah uh, yeah so uh, that's that's man, the only Kyle. one that's the only one, um ah uh, come on Kyle you can't <laughs> nah, man, I, I it's not now I will say this it's not a skip for me but it's not something like I don't run to the to to, to the CD player and say okay I got to play this one so um, so you wouldn't so you wouldn't say that ET is as whack as Mama Cita. It's not as bad as Mama Sita, but it's it's not that good to me. It's it's just okay. Oh, man. I, I don't You're I don't consider me. I don't I don't consider it to be a filler song, but it's not if if I'll put it like this. If I was the creative director of the A and R, neither song would have made either album. Oh, you tripping? No. <laughs> now that's just me. I, I mean, you could have yeah. put it on the album. I'm not putting either one of them on either album. Can I talk about about E.T. for just a second, why I love that song? So, like, well, first of all, I got to reiterate your trip, and I'm, like, a borderline speechless. But, (laughs) but, like, I mean, man, Andre's verse on that and the beat, that beat is amazing to me. And the hook, like, this, folks, this is what experimental rap this is one of the albums at AT Aliens and Equimini too, shit. But that song, you would not have artists like LP, you know. You would not have, you know, Run the Jewels and yeah, man. I mean, um, he said, um, I only contemplate the stable dirt when I skeet my drops. No concentrate and knock another out the box. Swag is innocent. See, we all be kind of fly. And then he had the line where he was like. Maybe the Mockingbird and Nightingale, they want to sing. Keeping this thing alive to the table is what we bring. We like hillstorms and blizzards in the middle of the spring. Like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> the first you. time I... Yeah, like... And Big Boy's verse on that was nice, too. Like, there was no drums to it. It was just a creepy-ass, spacey beat with them just fucking that shit up. You know? But... I mean, hey, for the folks out there, I need you guys. If you, if do you put comments on your videos, Kyle? Uh, people can comment. Yeah, I need y'all to tell Kyle why he, why he's tripping. I, I promise you, they won't. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yes, they will. I oh promise yes, they, they will. Won't. I promise I, you, they won't. Because I said this on the podcast and nobody said anything. 
Oh, oh well, I'm br- I'm bringing it up now. Y'all need to back me up on this shit because that's ridiculous. The uh, nah, it, again, it's it's not a bad song. Like you said, there's no beat uh, that that I could have done without. But um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, other than that, the album I think is 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 an incredible album. Um, so yeah, I tell you what, this is a perfect time. We could take a quick commercial break. We'll hear from Outcast during the break, and on the other side, we're gonna break it down. Both Matt and I will make a case for which album we think is best based on these particular categories. The categories Kyle's are, gonna lose, y'all. Kyle's <laughs> cat- gonna lose. We'll we'll see. <laughs> the categories <laughs> are musical content, which is their lyricism and flow, production, and the longevity of the album, meaning how how did the album age? Uh, so sit tight. We'll we'll take a pause for the cause for a commercial break and we'll be back in just a second. As you get older, like you said, you branch out as like brothers moving into their own La crib. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been living together forever, but we still hook up, we still go to mama house, we still do all the same things. Yeah, I mean and and that on on the tip of animosity at all, it's just, you know, it's personal preference. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we got a mutual respect for one another and like I mean, just about like like the touring thing, you know what I'm saying? Like it was a, a decision, you know what I'm saying, made by Dre. He came to me like, hey, man, like, really? You know, like, I'm, I'm not feeling it. Like, why would you want to force somebody to do something mm-hmm. that they don't want to do to make them hate it? Mm-hmm. I mean, before you before you end up hating it, man, go and take your breather. You want to take a breather? That's cool, man. I mean, I still feel it. I'm going to get out here and I'm going to do it. But that's, you know, you like, man, ride out. Mm-hmm. And, and people misconstrue that and, and think like, well, they don't like each other or nothing. Like, we ain't missed a date. I mean, actually, we were stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, before there was any movies, before there was any music, anything, MTV, BET, or whoever else, you know what I'm saying? It was Twan and Drake at, at Tri-City High School when we met, and it's a certain brotherhood we got and the love for one another, and we understand one another, and, and that's what it is, man, you know? As you get older, like you said, you branch out as like brothers moving into their own La crib. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been living together forever, but we still hook up, we still go to mama house, we still... Do all the same things. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and on, on the tip of animosity at all, it's just, you know, it's personal preference. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we got a mutual respect for one another. And, like, I mean, just about, like, like the touring thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was a, a decision, you know what I'm saying, made by Dre. He came to me like, hey, man, like, really? You know, like, I'm, I'm not feeling it. Like, why would you want to force somebody to do something mm-hmm. that they don't want to do to make them hate it? Mm-hmm. I mean, before you before you end up hating it, man, go and take your breather. You want to take a breather? That's cool, man. I mean, I still feel it. I'm going to get out here and I'm going to do it. But that's, you know, you like, man, ride out. Mm-hmm. And, and people misconstrue that and, and think like, well, they don't like each other or nothing. Like, we ain't missed a date. I mean, actually, we were stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, before there was any movies, before there was any music, anything, MTV, BET, or whoever else, you know what I'm saying? It was Twan and Drake at Tri-City High School when we met and it's a certain brotherhood we got and the love for one another and we understand one another and, and that's what it is man you know and just like that we are back once again it's your boy 12 Kyle the 12 Kyle podcast and I got my man Matt B in the building and we're talking about ATLians versus Equimini the second and third album from albums from uh, Outkast and we're going to try to put our heads together to figure out which one is better. Um, as I mentioned just before. A, the- just a heads up, people. We already know what our answers are going to be. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. So, like. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I mentioned before the break, um, we're basing it on these categories. Musical content, which includes the lyricism and the flow. Uh, 
production. And then thirdly, the longevity. How did these albums age? So we can flip a coin. All right, Matt, you're up first. All right, so musical content, which album's better, uh, Aquemini or AT Aliens, and why? Honestly, um, yeah, keep it real. Now we got you got one thing about being on this podcast—you got to keep it a hundred. I'm gonna roll with AT Aliens barely, but really, to me, it's a toss-up, and I wouldn't be mad with either side to that coin. Okay. Um, I just feel like it. You know, with a lot of people saying because they got flack for their first album by by people too. You know, and you know those people are fucking crazy, but that's neither here nor there. Um, well, but and I'll, I think, I'll, let me explain. Let me cut you off. Let me explain to you why they got some flack uh, because, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, there was a a, a segment of hip hop that expected southern rap artists at that particular time in the early 90s to be you know booty shake they wanted you know luke they wanted that type of music poison clan whomever and here it was you got these two guys from atlanta that to be honest didn't even look or sound like anything that most people had heard or seen before and they were lyrical and they were dope and so and they and Here's the key thing, Matt. They weren't trying to be from New York. They weren't trying to be from up north. So therein, <laughs> therein lies the problem for some people. And to be honest, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And outcasts are just being themselves. I mean, like, why would right, we get sure. on? We're from Atlanta. Why would we get on and, and try to be like we're from Brooklyn? We're not. So, um, <laughs> so that's why they caught some, you know, flack. But I, th- that flack, if you will, I. I just dismiss it because that's exactly what it was. But go ahead. Um, but yeah, to your point, like I feel like that's why AT Aliens to me they sounded pissed. Mm-hmm. Like they they were like, man, we didn't get a lot of respect for our first album. Like we should have. I mean, over time, obviously they mm-hmm. did because of the impact it had on the South. But at first, like it, it didn't have the impact that the two albums after did. We can both agree to that, right? Um, and AT Aliens to me is them sounding like they wanted to prove to everybody that they were real artists. It was darker than Equemini to me. It was moodier. Um, I feel like it, without AT Aliens, there would be no Equemini. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I really liked that about it. Um, I liked how they dived more into storytelling um, and I liked how oh, it, it was just, it was incredible to me, man. Like I could really, I could write a book on both of these albums, <laughs> but the musical content, the musical content to me on AT Aliens is a tad bit better. Just slightly though, mm-hmm. just slightly though. Like, I mean, if people want to disagree and say a musical content is better, I wouldn't be mad at them at all. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and- for those of you listening, if you've been following this podcast, uh, when we've done the versus uh, podcast, um, one of the things that I've often said is like, it's kind of like splitting hairs. Oh, yeah. And that's literally what it is. Uh, as you can tell, because you've got two people who 
not only enjoy Outkast and love Outkast, but love these two albums as well. So uh, to answer the question, the musical content, the lyricism and flow, I think Aquemini's better, but not by much. Um, as you mentioned earlier. It's close, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's close. extremely close. Uh, you know, when I listen to, you know, the verses from Andre on uh, Aquemini, the song. Right. Uh, that is just a small sample of what he was trying to show us that he was going to give. And I think that album lyrically woke a lot of people up as far as Andre 3000 was concerned. It didn't necessarily for fans like you and I, but lyrically, I think that really put him in or started moving him into that next stratosphere. There, There's a segment of people who think Andre 3000 is like a top five MC. And I, I'm not going to argue with you because I don't know, you know what your criteria is for top five. But if you ask those people, when did they start taking notice? It was right then at that album. Um, lyrically, uh, I, I would think, say, I would say more so like if you're a hip hop head, the beginning of that was AT Aliens, but nationwide, like for oh no question, hip hop heads for for like casual listeners, I would right. say you're right on it. Well, I, and I think but, I think even the fans who like myself who've been down with Outkast since day one knew and know that these guys were dope from day one. Like so, Southern Playalistic to me is just as easy a listen as ATLNs or Equimini. I think those three albums, and I said it on the previous podcast, I think you can take those three albums from this particular group and stack them up against any other hip-hop act as far as their first three albums and, you know, make a case for them. And you can't would, do that for everybody. I would put Stankonia in that conversation, well, too. Well, see, there you go. I mean, but... there you go. I, and, and some people will. And I... I, I you know, you get an argument from me on that. Uh, so I think musical content and the, the lyricism and the flow, uh, I think you make a good point about AT aliens. They were, you know, in a lot of ways, very mad because they were slept on, on Southern playlist. You go back and listen to the album. That's an incredible album. And for them not to get the props and the accolades. And of course the, like I said, the album went platinum. So it wasn't like it, they didn't get the sales, but for them to get the accolades or feel like they didn't get where the, where they felt like they should have been, uh, I think that was incredible. And so, yeah. you know, you can hear it. You can hear the 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 <laughs> you can hear their uh, anger, if you will, to some degree, or disappointment, if you will. But um, yeah, I, I'm gonna give Aquemini the slightest edge uh, on uh, the musical content, lyricism, and flow. Now, when we talk production, which one are you taking uh, production-wise? Which one's better, uh, AT Aliens or Quimini, and why? This is the only one. Well, um, I would go with AT Aliens again, dude. Okay. Um, like, I like... Let's, well, first of all, let me just say the the production on Aquemini is obviously fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to be a fool and discount, discount that, you know what I mean? Like that would just be absurd, but I think the production on AT aliens, I just love how dark it is, man. Like, you know, it's just so moody. It's just so like, it's almost melancholy in Mm. spots. 
You know, like if you listen to Jazzy Bell, like that song is actually pretty depressing. <laughs> um, Babylon is another one where I mean, like Big Boy on that song. Everybody talks about Andre's verses. If you listen to Babylon, Big Boy sounded fucking pissed. Hmm. Like my lyrics ain't clean. Like you know, like that. I was just like, go ahead, Big Boy. I see you. You know, like, <laughs> um, like he's like these aren't like. To your point, these guys aren't just your ordinary southern rappers. These are thought-provoking MCs. And to back that up, I just I like the more minimalistic, darker production of AT Aliens a little bit more. But I can also admit that the production on Equimini is a little bit more lush. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take AT Aliens. Okay. It's close. It's close, though. It is close. And I understand a lot of people, the argument that I see, because this is, as you know, this is a very famous debate. It's not just with us people. Right, like, right. there's, I mean, you know, the common the common thing is, like, people will take the lyrics over the, on AT Aliens over the lyrics on Equimini, but they'll take the production on Equimini over, do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... But yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it. But once again, I'm not mad with either side, and I think that um, I think the production on Equimini, it even even Equimini has some dark spots. Like synthesizer mm-hmm. sounds kind of synthesizer sounds menacing as hell. It does. Um, but I noticed that there was a lot more like lush and kind of like you know, um, it, Equimini is not as dark as AT Aliens. Like that's just fact of the matter you know what i mean like sound wise anyway and i just y'all don't know me the way kyle does but my music taste is very depressing (laughs) (laughs) like i like a lot of dark eerie melancholy music and at aliens just kind of fits that vibe for me a little bit more so like i would that's why i would personally take at aliens but i'm not mad either way it all depends on what your taste is right and, and I think uh, I think you make a very good and valid point that it is very it, it, it's dark. And I think looking back on it from what I can remember. To some of the casual fans, that was an issue, but man, for, fuck those casual. Fans. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for, you know, for heads like us, you know, we don't care one way or the other. I'll say I'll kind of piggyback on what you said, man. I, I think I think the production is better on Equimini. That being said, if you said AT Aliens, I'm not going to necessarily argue with you uh, because, like you said, it could be a preference, like you said, where you like darker music. Uh, but I think the, the thing that wins Equimini over, at least for me, um, is that so much of what you hear sonically sets up for what next for Outkast. And they really oh, yeah. pushed the envelope after this album when you think about what you heard on Stankonia and Speaker Box, The Love Below. Um, I want to add to that, too, by the way, mm-hmm. um, to, to the point you just made, because that was a beautiful point. Um, if you listen to uh, Hootie Who, I mean, right. no, 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 um, Deep on Southern Playalistic, mm-hmm. they took that and added it on to the beginning of Two Dope Boys. Yep. If you listen to 13th Floor Growing Old, it leads perfectly into Equimini. Shonky Fire leads perfectly into Stankonia. Mm-hmm. You know, Stankonia, they, they kind of split it and, like, 
speaker box is Stankonia without the weirdness of Andre, and the low below is Stankonia with all the weirdness and not the normal the normalness of Big Boy. Right. So it's like, yeah, I just wanted to make that point. Go ahead. That's no, my that's bet. that's a good point. I think it's they. It's a very good blend of blending all of these albums together, and that goes back to what you said earlier about the the, the four albums, their first four albums. Um, first five, in my opinion, but yeah, you know. Right, <laughs> and so when you look at it, I think production-wise, it, it's just that album really set it up for, you know, and, and I, I think just looking back on it, man, the thing that always stood out to me is that they weren't afraid to be different. I mean, like, if you don't have a Quimini, then you'll never have a song like Bombs Over Baghdad. And when oh, yeah. Bombs Over Baghdad dropped, people lost their minds. And one of the reasons being because you've never heard a hip-hop song that fast. I don't know what the BPMs were for that song, but it was crazy. And so, like, to see that, to see the video... And for it to get major airplay and, you know, it'd be a hit record or what have you. I don't think that ever happens without, you know, the success and the the what they tried to do sonically with um, Equimini. But again, I don't I knock heard. anybody who said who may say, you know, that they like ATLians better. But uh, I think production wise, I definitely got to go with Equimini. Yeah, I mean, and I've they're like. And I've told you, like, my favorite artist is Tone Deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, his music is very, very, very fast-paced. And he was he was doing that, like, before Outkast did Bombs Over Baghdad. But the cool thing about Bombs Over Baghdad is that they made it onto the radio with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no question. You know? No now, question. Now, 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 that's not to say that what they were doing was better than what Tone was doing. They just had fucking Ellie Reed backing them. You know what I mean? So that kind of made it easier for well, them to get something. Well, not only that. But understand that was hard to get on. To be honest, that's hard to get on black radio because that that oh, song yeah, is, that song is really that's it's too fast for black radio. To be honest, and, and it's too fast <laughs> for radio. Period. But you yeah, know, white 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 folks love Bob Sober. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember I remember when that when that song came out because uh, it dropped and the song dropped like right along with video and right. I'm thinking if you don't have the video to coincide with it, you might have a problem. You know what I'm saying? Right. Try to get it, get airplay for it. But I think, you know, going back to the point, I think it's um, while definitely, and and you know, it's like I said, it's kind of like splitting hairs because if you don't have the success of AT Aliens, then maybe you're not, maybe you aren't trying to do some of the things that you are going to do sonically on Equimini. I just think Equimini, they just said, fuck it, we're going left. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we're going left. Yeah. You already, you, you think we're crazy. You think Andre's gay. You think all of these other things. You think we're on drugs. You know, we're going to do, we're going to dictate what it is that we're going to do and you're going to follow. And that right there spoke to me volumes about where they were as a group and it's been that way ever since well i, I want to say it's been that way since day one but um you know they weren't afraid to set trends you know whether it be fashion whether it be you know hell yeah anything and and Look what, at, they, what they were doing sonically was just so dope and if you think about it they influenced biggie oh no question they, i mean look at puff daddy directed the video for players ball yes yes i mean yeah. like you could see the influence not only in 
themselves but other groups as well uh i know q-tip talked about how you know they influence tribe and and vice versa and and there's a there's a mutual respect i think that went around and a lot of that came after the success of you know atlians and the 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 sonic sounds and the feel of aquemini um yeah so now if we talk about the longevity uh how these albums have aged uh which which Mm. way are you going um shit that's tough that's really tough Mm -hmm. i think aquemini probably has a bigger fan base um especially you know it got it was one of the only albums to get five mics initially when it came out um and that's it that and for y'all that don't know there was a lot of albums that got re-rated from like four or four and a half to five (laughs) yeah i mean ready to die should have gotten a five to begin with and it got a four and a half so like stuff like that i get but you know me against the world did not need to get a five i like talk but we're we're not going to get into that (laughs) (laughs) um but anyways yeah i mean longevity I want to say it's a tie, but I know that on this podcast you want me to be real and pick one anyway. Right. So, <sighs> shit, man. Come back to me. I'm going to let you go first <laughs> on this one. You know what, man? Honestly, for me, it is a tie. Uh, and it's okay that it is a tie because it is. Um, I think both of these albums have aged incredibly well. Uh, when I listen to them, yeah, you know, they they take me back. They take me back to certain places. I remember, you know, AT aliens. I remember riding on campus at South Carolina State University, bumping, just yeah. bumping it. I mean, front to back, and everybody on the yard had that album. Um, and then I remember, you know, Aquemini being here in Atlanta and just going to clubs and, <clears throat> you know, just seeing how much love that they gave, you know, that they got for the city and they had for the city. I mean, like, I'll put it like this, man. <laughs> I remember uh, the the biggest station in the city is probably one of the biggest stations in the state, a station called V103. They, didn't, they at the time, V103, would, they would play hip-hop, but they wouldn't play hip-hop like that because we had our own hip-hop station. Uh, at the time, it was hot. It was hot 97. And uh, this was when... Uh, Chris Lover Lover, <laughs> aka Ludacris, was on the radio. Um, but I remember. Oh yeah, that's right. He was he yep. was a DJ yep, before sure he was. rapped. I sure forgot was. about that. So, uh, long story short, Aquemini comes out. They play the entire album, the edited version, on the radio on V103. Like that's how much <laughs> love and how dope the album was. Um, Man, I said all that. I'm gonna tell you what. I'm going to tell you what, you know, when they play the edited version on the radio, you already know the edited version didn't have the skits. So that's kind of disrespectful to Outkast. Well, well, you know, anyways, go ahead. They, I just thought it was still, it was a great look and it was, you know, V103 and not just that, but just radio in general showing love because, uh, you know, Cass had really put on and really rep for the city. And, you know, subsequently there were hip hop acts and many hip hop acts to come out of the city. But I, I say this without, you know, hesitation. There's not one act to ever come out of Atlanta that has repped Atlanta better than outcast has never. 
and I'm talking oh, yeah, from sure. Outcast on back on down to to today to today, you know, from Jeezy to Ti to whomever else. Um, the only one that's come close to me since Outcast is Ti. Yeah, and I T. mean, I, Luda, but, and and to Luda, be honest, if you don't have if if Outcast doesn't blow and do their thing, then maybe you don't have a Ti. Maybe he doesn't, yeah. you know, make it out of the South as far as you know his popularity. Um, and I mean, in terms of Ludacris, like, I mean, I'm not even going to throw him in that conversation because I just feel like he wasn't on that level no, artistically no. with Outkast or T.I. No. Um, um, but anyways, yeah, go but ahead. Yeah, so I think both of these albums aged incredibly well. Uh, just personally for me, when I listen to them, I listen to them together. Like, if I listen to... Aquemini, I'll listen to ATLians. If I listen to ATLians, I'll listen to Aquemini. I, I rare it's rare for me to listen to these albums and not listen to them back to back. That's just how connected I think that they are. Uh, and I said the same when I had a uh, shout out to my homegirl Janae when I had her on the podcast when we did the joint, um, the D'Angelo joints, um, Voodoo and Brown Sugar. And I say the same. It, it's I listen to them the same. And I think both of these albums have aged incredibly well. And I think one of the things that speaks to the lyricism and how dope this album is, is that each time that you hear both of these albums, you can pick something from it, you know, that you didn't necessarily hear the, you know, the first hundred times that you heard the album. And, and we've uh, listened, we, we probably listened to these albums over 200 times. Oh, no question. no question. No <laughs> question. I, I, probably more than that. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I think for me, longevity wise i'd probably say it's a tie all right before i give you my answer to your point on listening to them back to back i'm i'm, I'm right in the same boat with you mm-hmm. um so like uh, another example i wanted to give you talked about d'angelo i feel the same when i put on only bill for cuban links and liquid swords okay okay mm-hmm. um i feel i feel the same way with low end theory and midnight marauders yep. i feel the same way with um uh, for me, um, I'll take it. I don't know if you're a Pink Floyd fan, Kyle, uh, nice. but, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> but with like Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You Were Here, like okay. you know, or with the Beatles, fucking Sergeant Pepper and um, uh, Revolver, you know. There's just so many genres where like artists put out these two amazing albums, and you got to listen to them back to back because it's just like fuck, man. Mm-hmm. Which one do I like better? Mm-hmm. You know, I already know which one I like better, and I already know which one you like better. Mm-hmm. So that's that that kind of negates the point. But you see what I'm saying, right? Um, huh, man, I'm still kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> you can just say it, um, you can say it's a tie. <laughs> yeah, but fuck ties, Kyle. Like we don't do ties out here. The NFL doesn't do do ties. Matt's not doing them either. Okay, but I'm gonna have to make an exception. It's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> see, I told you. I told you, yeah, they're, um, they're, they're incredible pieces of work, man. To your point on them not sounding dated, if you go back to a lot of classic hip-hop albums, they might still be amazing, but to me, All Eyes on Me sounds a bit dated, right? Um, straight out of Compton, while the content isn't dated, musically, it sounds dated. Um, not to me, but go ahead. Man, look. But yeah, you know what? That, that's I, another story for another day. We'll be here all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Mike, Mike 
C-Town broke that explanation down perfectly, probably better than I could. But anyways, because um, they did that straight out of Compton review. Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot of albums that while we love them and while we cherish these projects, you go back to them and you're like, uh, I don't know if it can hold up today. Like, I love 36 Chambers by Wu, but it doesn't sound as advanced as AT Aliens or Equimini. You know what I mean? Um, and you could feel free to disagree with me on that, Kyle. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like in terms of experimenting with new sounds, I don't think RZA was doing what Organized Noise and Outcast was doing. But well, I, I think they're two different styles and sounds. But I, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, like I don't feel like RZA really got super experimental until the solo stuff started coming out, but. Um, but anyways, yeah, we're like you said, we're going to be here all day if we start, right? You know, drifting off. But my point is, is like you can put on AT Aliens or Equimini, and they sound like they came out last night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like ain't nothing dated about those projects. Nothing is like too dusty, as the young kids say. Nothing is like I could I could play this I could play both of these albums in front of my my seventeen year old sister, and she would be like, "Holy shit!" Right? You know, right? Like, you could probably find, and no, I'm not saying my sister's a little pump fan, but you could, <laughs> you could find, at least I hope not, but you could find a bunch of teenagers that listen to nothing but, and I fucks with Migos, so let's get that clear, I do like Migos. But, <laughs> I mean, I do... I, Listen, Kyle, I'm not putting them in the Ladies same conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please don't go to sleep. I, I know, I know you've been rocking with us this this long. Please, he's about to talk <laughs> about the Migos. Please don't go to sleep. Go, go ahead, man. <laughs> the point I'm making is like you could play these albums for a fan of Migos or Big Sean or whatever the fuck. Fuck Big right. Sean, by the way. But anyways, so let, let me let me not disrespect him. He's a grown man, but fuck his music. Um. You could play these two albums for any one of those dudes or girls out there that are, you know, under the age of 18, and they'll listen to these and be, and probably vibe with it, Mm. you know, more so than they would with, let's say, an Illmatic, you know, just because it's probably a little bit closer to what's coming out today, and to be honest, it's still way ahead of everything that's coming out today. You know, like, there's nothing about these two albums that sounds dated. Even the terminology, you still hear, I mean, aside from the whole cut-up thing that we talked about <laughs> earlier. I mean, even in, even from Atlanta artists, you don't really hear that term much anymore, but... Yeah, that's because they're young, man. That, that's, that's, that's old Atlanta. There's a difference between... And I'm, I may have to do a podcast on old Atlanta and new Atlanta. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's... Uh, you're, you're, but you're right, though. It's It, it definitely feels like... You know, these albums, um, you know, are still up to date, still up to par, and you can still get something from them at the end of the day. And I think ultimately that's what's important. Um, You know, Matt and I, go ahead. The kids may not like vibe with Southern Playlistic that much just because it's not as advanced as these two. But I mean, who gives a fuck? It's still an amazing album. It's an incredible album. Incredible album. Um well, before we get out of here, Matt, man, uh, any other things you want to say before we close out the podcast? Um, Kyle's wrong. Uh, <laughs> AT Aliens is. Listen, I'll say this: even if you like Equimini more, AT Aliens doesn't really have any filler on it. 
Um, whereas Aquemanite does have Mamacita. I will say that. I will say that. Okay, okay. Uh, I, and I, I, I'll say that, you know, I won't call Mama Cita a filler song. It's just a bad song. Just like I think E.T. is just a bad song. So I think both albums, you know, have a bad song. Um, oh, man, here we go. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and man, I got to thank you for coming on, man. We we have these hip-hop debates all the time via social media. Uh, so I got to definitely thank my man Matt for coming through, bro. I definitely appreciate it, man. Yeah, no worries, folks. We probably have the same debate like ten times a year. Oh, no question. So, no question. So, like, and I'm and, glad, and, even though I wasn't able to get you on the other podcast, glad we glad we're able to do this, man. Yeah, I need to I need to get on Dead End Sports one day and correct Ken for talking shit about my Ravens <laughs> because oh, he man. he talks all these positive things about Cincinnati and yeah, yeah he don't like the Ravens. Yeah, well, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. We've so, won a Super Bowl more recently than, than the Steelers have. So No question. No question. So, yeah, that's going to do it for us, man. Uh, as always, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle Podcast. So, for my boy Matt B., I'm your boy 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. 5G's.